0: Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Each episode, I sit down with an inspiring person from the magic community. We hang out on their kitchen table to talk about Magic the Gathering as they share stories from the journey of their lives. This is episode 13. In this episode, I'm talking to Tifa Robles, the founder of Lady Planeswalker Society. Lady Planeswalker Society is run by volunteers and has a mission to create a warm and welcoming play space for all players. It's amazing that there are now over 80 chapters all over the world and it's still growing. LPS is also the official learn-to-play organization for Wizards of the Coast and has taught thousands of new players at premier events such as Gen Con and PAX. I'm so happy to have Tifa as a guest. Please enjoy my conversation with Tifa Robles. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on Kitchen Table Magic. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Tifa Robles. Tifa, how's it going?
1: Good. It's going really well.
0: And you are the founder of Lady Planeswalker Society. Yes. That is awesome. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. So I founded the group in 2011. The initial goals were pretty simple. We wanted to make sure that there was a Safe, welcoming, friendly way for women to get into the game Magic. Over time, our audience has grown from women to really everybody. All genders, anyone in the trans community, or any aspect of life at all. Children. We are always looking to branch out even more. But yeah, it's really, we want Magic to be a game that is accessible to any person at all, uh, even regardless of gaming experience or anything like that, because I think it's a game that anyone can get something out of, and I just want to make sure they have the opportunity to try.
0: I love that. Can you tell us about the youngest person that ever learned how to play Magic from Lady Planeswalker Society?
1: We had a four-year-old girl uh, learn at Geek Girl Con, and we've seen her every year since. I think she'll be seven this year.
0: That is so cool. Oh my goodness. What was she like the first time she started to play?
1: Just really excited. When we teach kids that are that young, sometimes we only teach them like power and toughness and we don't worry about like any of the text on the card, especially if they don't know how to read yet. But usually at that age, they're just like so excited that somebody will take the time to sit down and play with them that it's you know, really awesome to watch like as they just have that initial excitement that everyone gets in Magic, but seeing it you know on a child's face is just so much more moving i guess
0: that is amazing that's just brilliant and then so like year two and now like year three uh she's like playing with like her own constructed deck or she's like doing draft or
1: i guess you could say she plays with her own constructed deck but it's not anything like standard or competitive at all or anything you could even bring to a tournament but she likes to put together her own decks and she still doesn't have like a full grasp of the rules you can tell knows what's going on more than she did when she started Uh, And the enthusiasm is just as strong as ever. And I have known seven-year-olds who can like really hold their own also. Pretty incredible how young some kids understand strategy.
0: Tifa, I just wanted to start from the beginning. Where did you grow up and when did you learn how to play magic?
1: Uh, So I grew up in rural America, uh, in eastern Washington, actually. About an hour outside of Spokane. Moved to the big city as soon as I could when I turned 18 uh, to go to the University of Washington. I've been in Seattle ever since. I was actually in college when I started working at a board game store. Uh huh. And I was at the board game store when I learned to play Magic the Gathering.
0: And when did you start playing Magic?
1: Uh, so that was 2010, right around M11 pre-release. Nice. And I, I fell in love with it right away. Uh, I really liked the enthusiasm of the community. And I was really excited to sort of jump in and play and found that it was really hard to get accepted as a brand new player, especially one that was a woman. Uh-huh. I just kept at it and wanted to prove that, you know, women could play magic, that I could be good at the game, and that really sort of pushed me and gave me the momentum to get to where I am with the game today.
0: Could you share some early experiences that you had?
1: Like I said, right away was really enthusiastic about magic, and I was in my last my last year of college. So, it was very much on me, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Uh, and I decided I wanted to try to get a job at Wizards of the Coast, Mm -hmm. and was able to get an interview and sort of get in the door there, and I hadn't gotten the job yet, and I went to a tournament, actually in Spokane, that was a 1K, and I was in top 12 about to play in the final round of the tournament when I got the call that I'd gotten the job at Wizards. Uh (laughs) And I totally... Like, botched my final game. I like, was <laughs> so excited and distracted. That was probably one of my favorite memories, just because it was, like, the best I've ever done in a big tournament competitively, because after that, I worked for Wizards, so I couldn't play competitively anymore. But that was a really, really good experience that I had.
0: You get this phone call, and then in that final and you're like, screw it. Like, I'm just happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't even need prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Okay, that's really, really cool. I wanted to ask Tifa, what gave you the idea to start Lady Planeswalker Society?
1: Uh, It was largely just due to my own experiences and wanting other people to have a better experience. Because like I said, and I can go into this a little more, I I found that it was really, really hard to get accepted. So I knew a lot of the people who were playing in the store that I was at because I worked there. But once I started you know, sitting at the table with them versus just being behind the counter, I felt that the attitude really shifted and I didn't feel like I was part of the group like I had expected to. And there was a lot of just like really subtle things like not being a part of conversations. Um, And then also some very blatant things um, like a conversation about my breasts right in front of me and other just unwanted behavior that makes you feel unwelcome in a place. Oh man. I just wanted to make a difference in the community and give people a place that they didn't have to face that sort of behavior. Um, and even just the intimidation of when you walk into a tournament and like everyone is so serious and like not interested in meeting you and not wanting to be friendly. Like I wanted a place where you could walk in and even if you were brand new at the game, you'd be welcome with open arms and friendly faces. So it actually started with just a few... Girls that I knew in like my living room, um, and it wasn't long before one of them asked me, "Have you thought about doing something bigger with this?" And I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it, but when they said that, I was like, "Why wouldn't I? Like, let's let's do this." Uh, so I, at the time, Card Kingdom had like just opened. up. It was all the talk in like the gamer world in the area, and I decided to talk to them about potentially having us host events Mm -hmm. Uh, and they were thrilled at the idea they were fully supportive of it and uh, we right away scheduled an event Uh, we thought that bi-weekly would be a good cadence uh, but it was not long at all before we realized that it should be weekly because the attendance went from the first event being eight to 12 to before you knew it it was like 20 people and we were getting like 20 people every week Yeah, that was that's really how the beginning
0: started. You know, early on, I remember when Car Kingdom opened, I heard of this group of really cool people being together and playing and I was like I was uh, I was kind of a scrub back then. Like I had no idea how to play competitive Magic. I had played casually on the kitchen table for so many years, and I was like, "They're very accept, you know, accepting to beginners and things like that." And I was like, "Oh my god, I want to go!" Yeah. And then and then they were like, "Sorry, but it's it's for lady planeswalkers." And and I was like, "Oh no, the, I can't go now."
1: Men were always welcome to come play with us at the very very beginning stages. We encouraged that if a man was going to come, he would bring a lady with him. Yes. But it was never a like, oh, you can't play with us. Because that's, you know, pretty against what we're for. Uh, and over time, once once we were more established uh, as a community, we got rid of that entirely. And now it's literally anybody can come play with us. And as long as you're nice, we'll be nice to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that was some misinformation on my part. But I was like really excited. I was like, I, I'm so in support of this group, even though I like never mustered up the courage to just like show up because I desperately wanted to get better. And I also heard it through the grapevine that like the ladies that were playing there were also really good. And I was like, oh man, like I'm totally missing out here.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's honestly, it's not just you. Like that's a huge misconception that our group receives a lot. Actually, that's pro- the biggest misconception is that people think that we're exclusionary to women only. Uh, And, you know, we really, like, we really try really hard to not be exclusionary at all. Um, And I think we've made a lot of progress over the years. I want to keep the name, um, not just because at this point it's our brand, but also it just shows the inclusion factor, Mm
0: -hmm. right? It's like,
1: this is not your normal dudes around a table that the stereotype that people think of when they think of a game store. It's, you know, quite the opposite, but like, you know, we're welcoming to all people
0: it is absolutely needed more of in today's world as we're becoming more connected and also more in the gaming world as esports and magic and gaming and comic books and I guess traditionally geek and nerd culture is hitting the mainstream in a really big way.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a huge part. Like, I think the whole gaming industry is in sort of a revolution. Like, we're in a stage of progress and magic is included in that. And I mean, you can see it in all sorts of different forms and different places Uh, But yeah, it's great to be like a part of that movement. And one thing I did want to say is men have to face the same intimidation that I was talking about going into a game store just just as women do. It's like, yeah, women have like an additional factor that might make it harder. But we've actually had a lot of men come play with us. And actually, especially in the Bellevue chapter that we have, that have came in and been like, I have tried playing an F&M, didn't like the environment, and... They've been thrilled to be a part of our community and become regulars with us. And another thing about our group is we really provide a good stepping stone where if you have always been a kitchen table player or are brand new to the game and are interested in someday playing at FNMs or even above, we're that stepping stone. Part of that is the fact that our group has a mix of competitive players and new players. Uh, and the competitive players we have are very aware of what the group's goals are and in support of that and they know to be inviting and friendly Uh, and i think it's a great environment for people to hone their skills and better so that when they do go to fnm they have the confidence that they need to go into that environment
0: tifa i wanted to ask you who are some of your like cabinet members or like the head honchos in lady planeswalker society
1: we definitely have a lot of members that are super involved for our conventions we usually have somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 volunteers and it's sort of a rotating group there's probably overall a list of 30 people that i send an email out to when it's like we're about to volunteer for a convention and most of them have been with the group for for years i try to pick up a couple new people every year because i think it's good to have newer people like newer players in the mix Mm -hmm. some members that are most active that maybe even people on the podcast have heard of um, Hallie Santo. Mm-hmm. She has been with the group since I think 2012. Um, and she started, she was brand new to the game when she started playing with us. Wow. And she, she has done very, very well at high level competitive events. Um, I wish I knew exactly how well she's done at what events, but I know that it is very, very impressive. And she's on the Girlfriend Bracket podcast and has done um, writing for Wizards of the Coast and all sorts of amazing stuff. And she's one of our most active members that we have.
0: Yes, I know of Hallie. Um, I don't know her personally, but, like, I, <laughs> she's been to a couple of pre-TQs when she just completely tears up the competition.
1: Yeah, she's incredible. I mean, she's somebody who's really helped the organization in a lot of ways. Um, and, like, I feel honored to call her one of my friends.
0: Yeah, that is awesome.
1: Yeah. Uh, Melissa Datora actually volunteers for us at conventions.
0: Oh, awesome!
1: Yeah, and she occasionally comes in place with us. Not as often because she doesn't live near, like, super near Card Kingdom. Uh huh. Like I said, like she is always up for volunteering for us, which is great.
0: I love that. Yeah, Melissa Datora is super awesome. She's just an awesome person.
1: Yeah, she's really, really awesome person to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very, very cool. Tifa, you have many chapters of Lady Planeswalker Society across the United States.
1: Yes, almost 80 at this point. Holy
0: moly. And some of them are pretty big.
1: Yeah, um, a lot of them are small and some of them aren't as as active or like regularly active. But there are some that are really successful that meet regularly. And yeah, they're all actually self-sustained. So I help them uh, start up um, like very, very basic, minimal help like answering questions, making sure they're added to the list, giving them you know, any information that they need on how to start the chapter and all of that kind of stuff. But then from there it's really it's really all on them. So it's really all those volunteers across the world doing that work um themselves and building those communities. I wish I could do more for them, but really gotta applaud them for doing all the work.
0: That's awesome. And so how did they get started if they wanted to start a new chapter?
1: Uh, So, I have all of that information on the website, and I would highly recommend if there's someone listening that wants to do that, that they go there. Um, But just brief explanation, Um, I recommend that somebody starts with a store, like I did with Park Kingdom, or if there's not a good store in your area for it, or you don't feel that the store would support that environment, maybe finding just another venue that could host that event, even if it's a coffee shop or a library or something. Mm-hmm. And making sure that you talk to that venue about having a regular event. I also recommend having sort of for your first event, it being very much like a meet and greet. Yes. Yeah. You can figure out what the culture and community and environment that exists is and could be. Maybe it's a whole bunch of people who are, have never played Magic before, who are wives and daughters of people who play Magic that are just interested. Then you know to start the group that's incredibly beginner friendly. Maybe there's already a whole bunch of competitive people in the FNM scene that would like another place to play that, you know, is more inclusive. You know that you can run competitive events. And it's really, it's figuring out what community exists, what communities in the gaming world outside of Magic you can reach out to, um, or even a college campus or something like that, and then just going from there. I am always willing to answer emails and questions about starting a chapter. So that's something that is a resource available to anyone who is interested.
0: And the website is ladyplainswalkers.com?
1: Uh, it's ladyplainswalkers.weebly.com.
0: Okay, ladyplainswalkers.weebly.com. And I will have all of the links and things in the show notes. So that way, all of our listeners has access to getting more information about you guys.
1: Yeah, we have all kinds of awesome stuff on our website. So you can learn lots more going on
0: there. Tifa, what formats are played at your events?
1: So the way that I run my events, I try to do, um, like over the years, I've tried to do pretty much every format that you can easily play in a tournament setting. And it's because we've been going for five years, I sort of figured out like the list of events that work the best. I know that some other events don't work as well, uh, but we've done everything from Cube to Grand Melee, um... Our regular events that we do are Draft, Standard, Mini Masters, Sealed, Commander, and Plane Chase.
0: Ooh.
1: And then every time a set comes out, we do an intro pack wars. I, I could not recommend the format highly enough for a Lady Plane Deliver chapter, um, because it's super beginner-friendly, and it's also, even if you're not a beginner, it's a great way to have another way of, of learning more about the set and getting into the new set. And it's just, it's really fun and easy to, like, pick up an intro pack and play. So we do that every set.
0: And you also talked about mini-masters. What is mini-masters?
1: Oh, man. So mini-masters can actually be run a bunch of different ways. Like, they, they do mini-masters at conventions a lot because it's something you can do that's that's kind of quick. And we started doing it maybe a couple of years ago, and it's gotten to the point where it is one of our most successful events, so we just keep doing it about once a month. Um, but the way, so the way that we do mini-masters... Uh, you open two packs and you have to build a 30 card deck out of two packs. So, as you can imagine, it's not the best deck in the world. Mm-hmm. You almost always have to have at least three colors, sometimes four,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, to build a deck. Um, but I think it's a really interesting way to get people into deck building mm-hmm. because at least you don't have like six packs worth of cards and this intimidating amount, but instead it's like Two packs And it's like, okay, well, I know I have enough blue cards and green cards to do something there. And so anyway, you build a 30-card deck, and then just like a tournament, you you know get matched up with somebody. Uh, and instead of playing best out of three, it's actually just one game.
0: Oh. Uh,
1: and there are free mulligans so that you're not stuck with a horrible hand. Yeah. But it's one game. And then whoever wins that game gets a pack. And oh. they add that pack to their deck. So as the night goes on, your deck gets better. And you're paired against people that have the exact same record as you. You have the same amount of cards. And it's really great because it's it's so much fun. And it's also nice and compact. So you can get four rounds in, in you know, only two or three hours, um, which is really awesome, especially because we meet up on Tuesdays. So, you know, people have work and stuff the next day. Um, and it's just been a really great, great format. And I think people are learning a lot from doing that because it's very different.
0: Is there like an entry fee?
1: Uh, yeah, it's so to cover the cost of all the packs it's ten dollar entry
0: oh very cool tifa you mentioned grand melee what's that
1: (laughs) so grand melee is what we've decided to never do again because we've done it twice and it just somebody always ends up breaking the format uh but grand melee is where you have the entire group sit around a table so let's say you have like 20 people and you're all playing one game together. What? But you can only attack to your left. I might have the sides backwards, but I think you yeah, you can only attack to your left and you can only be affected by people on your left and right. Oh. But it's, you know, it's interesting cuz like each person is going to have two different people that they're fighting. Uh-huh. The problem with the format that is is if you have some sort of combo that can easily like kill someone or make the game like sort of stay up like stall out uh it can just completely clear like half the room um in a very unfun way
0: oh so it's like mega edh yeah
1: yeah (laughs) i I think the concept is really really cool but you would have to put a lot of restrictions on what kind of decks people could bring to do it
0: yeah like only fair decks would be really cool
1: yeah i'm all about like trying new formats or like weird drafts I love drafting small sets. Every time a small set comes out, we'll do a triple small set draft, which is, I think, just, like, so much fun.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So what what makes you so special about a triple small set draft?
1: So it's not designed to be drafted by itself. One of the things that I like about it is with a small set, you're going to see a lot of the same cards over and over, so you can end up with, like, five young wolves in your deck
0: uh huh,
1: um, or something like that. And it's just, it's very different than how the set is intended to be played. But I think there's something really fun about that. Um, and you can still get, like, a great deck. You know, everyone's still sort of on the same level as you are in drafts. Yeah, people people seem to love it when I, when I do, do those formats. So I'm going to keep doing them.
0: <laughs> I love that you're coming up with all these really interesting formats that are not often played, but are great in a casual setting that really gets people to come out of their comfort zone. It like equalizes uh, different skill levels, but it's also very experiential and uh, players and guests get to learn more about what they are interested in.
1: You'll probably find this interesting then. It sounds like it's your, your cup of tea. I actually created a format called Spontaneous Cube Creation.
0: Ooh, neato.
1: So, and we haven't done this in a long time because our group sort of outgrew the size to be able to do this. You have everybody bring 45 cards. And we had them split it by color, like you had to bring like seven of each color or whatever it was. You know, everyone brings their cards in and you have to be okay to like never have those cards again, which I think was a great way of getting rid of magic cards that you were never going to play in like your own decks. Yeah. Um, But we also were like, you know, but be mindful, make sure they're still fun or powerful, playable cards so that it's not just a bad experience. Right. But it's like, you know, you're basically just donating cards that you know you're not going to use because maybe you don't you know, play those types of decks or whatever. Um, But anyway, so everyone brings their cards together. You spend a good amount of time shuffling everything together and then dealing out packs and drafting. Uh, And it's a really wacky format because obviously there's not going to be like archetypes and things that are meant to work together.
0: Yeah, there's like no synergy.
1: (laughs) But it's really, really fun. And you'd be surprised like how good of a deck you can actually end up with. And again, you still have, you're in the same pool as everyone else. Right. You still have that balance. And it was really, really fun. Um, And we did end up making, like, a cube out of the cards we got. Like, we sort of, we did maybe four or five of these events. um, And my husband and I sat down, got rid of any duplicates, got rid of cards that were just, like, bad or, like, too confusing, and made sure that it was, like, actually a pretty synergistic cube considering what it was. Yeah. But like I said, we sort of outgrew it because I think it could only hold like 20 people and our events get more than that. Wow. So, haven't been able to play it in a long time.
0: Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love hearing about the formats that you have. <laughs> it's has like a party, it's like a magic party more than like an M. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, our, that, I think that's a, that's a really good telling of like the environment we've created, right? It's not the same sort of competitive Feel. And like, yeah, there are competitive players at our events, but it doesn't feel that way. Like, it just feels like a group of friends hanging out. We try very hard to make sure that even if you don't know any of us, like, you're treated the same way, that you feel like you belong.
0: I'm so jelly that I missed it last night. (laughs) I was doing another one. (laughs) (laughs) I was doing the podcast last night and I was like, oh, I'm going to go. So every two weeks, you have those, right?
1: Uh, Every week, actually. Oh, every week now. And um, on our website, you can see our schedule. I post our schedule like a month or two out. You can see what all our events are. Um, So if you, for instance, want to see when Mini Masters is, you can look on there and plan around it.
0: Tifa, I wanted to ask you about the role of women in the MTG community.
1: So I think that the role of women has really grown in the last, I want to say, five years. Uh, maybe maybe a little bit longer. I don't want to like take credit for that. I mean, I think Lady Plains has had a little bit of an impact on that, but I think it was a lot of moving pieces that happened to be at the same time. Like, there's been a lot more women showing up in the high-level tournament scene. Melissa DeTaro is a perfect example of that. And I mean, I think Hallie is like, she will be there very, very soon.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, But I think like that is very important because I I think the more more women that get introduced to the game, the more women there are going to be who are better at the game, who get to that level and more visible that women do play this game, women can be good at this game. I think even young girls will see that and there won't be this stigma that Magic is a boys club only and it will bring even more people in and like you were talking about mainstream-wise, like I think the role of women in the game is very, very important, so that people do feel like it, it can be a game for them. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact, Wizards the Coast tries very, very hard to make sure that they have strong female presence in their characters, and that they're not overly sexualized or like save the princess sort of mentality. Like they are powerful and strong just as much as the male characters, and like they can they can kick someone's ass just as well as any of, like, the male characters can. Right. And I I think they do a fantastic job of that. And I think even over the last 10 years have gotten even better. And they just keep coming out with more diverse characters. And I know that's something that's really important to them. And I think they're doing a
0: great job. That's wonderful. I think so, too. There are prominent female planeswalkers that are very powerful and also format-defining. I think it's a very good thing for the community to be inclusive and diverse. We have to have different perspectives. We have to have everyone be a part of it to make the community more robust. This is a thinking game, and we want to inspire everyone because the game is so fun. And for the love of the game, I want to promote the game as much as I can. And that just means sharing it with as many people as I can. And I think that you are doing that very well with the Lady Planeswalker Society.
1: I know the judges have also made like a huge impact like over the last couple years i'm friends with uh, sean cannes uh and he i know worked very hard with the judges to make sure that their policies are making sure the community is welcoming and inclusive to all diverse types of people um so like i said i think it, there's a lot of things happening within the same time frame that is is making a huge difference and i think if we were able to jump ahead five or ten years looking at the community is going to be totally different than how it looked 10 years ago.
0: Tifa, I also saw some pictures on your website about going to like events and teaching players how to play Magic.
1: Oh, so uh, we've been like the official Learn to Play at many conventions for years now. Uh, last year was our first year as the official Learn to Play for PAX Prime through Wizards. Um, and how that one happened is Wizards actually reached out to us and asked us, uh, with Emerald City Comic Con, um, my husband knows one of the event organizers, uh, so I, like, knew them personally, and they had heard of the work we'd done with Geek Girl Con and some other smaller conventions and wanted to bring us in there, so now we're the official Learn to Play at Emerald City Comic Con as well. We started with Geek Girl Con the first year. This is going to be the fifth year for Geek Girl Con, and it's just been a great relationship ever since. But yeah, it's, it's usually the conventions themselves reaching out to me, which is really awesome. You know, we're always interested in doing whatever we can to do more. Uh, Obviously, there's only so much time as an organization and as a brand. Like, we've really been able to grow a lot through those experiences.
0: That is so cool.
1: For example, it also gets a lot of people into Magic. Because last year, at PAX Prime, we taught over a thousand people over the weekend. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think that makes a huge difference in just who is getting their hands on the game.
0: Wow. That is really cool. Tifa, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Let's do it. Rapid fire question number one: Of the five colors of magic—white, blue, black, green, and red—what's your favorite color and why?
1: Green is definitely my favorite magic color. I was intrigued by green before I even really knew how to play the game, just because the animals and the art um, and the idea of the like having that powerful force on the battlefield. As I learned the game and played, like that's really in line with my style. Like I like um, just everything about green. Like I like. Ramping and getting land quickly. I like all the different creatures. I like how it pairs with other colors. I'm like green blue is my favorite. Like having the sort of power and control, the control that blue has mixed with like the giant creatures of green. Um, like that is like my absolute favorite combination. I always feel comfortable playing green, and like I, I play all the colors and I try to play every color combination every time a set comes out. But green is just always. I just have the most fun with it.
0: I love that. That is so cool. I, I have not yet had a guest say green. <laughs> I've interviewed a lot of guests. I haven't had anyone say green yet.
1: Green gets a bad rep. Like, I remember when I started playing, people were like, oh, newbies always like green. Or like, oh, you're a girl, so you like green. I'm like, all right, then play against my mono green deck and I'll trample your face in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, You're going to get trampled on it. Get- That's awesome. Tifa, question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be?
1: Ooh. Um, this is going to sound really silly, but I would... I would want to see Extended again. Oh. (laughs) Um, I never got into Modern, but I was a big Extended player because that was what, like, the competitive scene was at the time I was playing. Um, and it would be great to, like, pull out my old Extended deck and try it again.
0: (laughs) I think Extended is just standard with a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think it was like standard plus two years.
0: I think Jerry Thompson was telling me just yesterday how about how he also played a bunch of Extended. So I was like, Extended. <laughs>
1: I'm just having a lot of fun with that one.
0: Okay, very cool, very cool. Tifa, question number three. If you could give something to every Magic player, what would it be?
1: It would actually be to experience what it's like playing Magic in Seattle. Uh, Because I hear that, like, things are very different in a lot of smaller areas, um, and Magic isn't as, like, supported, or, like, the communities are just very different. So I would love if every player could have the chance to see Hard Kingdom and play the community there just once.
0: Oh, that's such a good answer. I love that. Tifa, question number four. What do you see in the future of Magic the Gathering?
1: So we already touched on this a little bit, but I think uh, diversity. I think the future of Magic is going to be a very bright world where we have all kinds of different personality types and people. And even in the pro scene, it's, it's not going to be the same faces. It's going to be a whole new crew of people from all different backgrounds and genders and everything else.
0: That sounds like an amazing future. I'm looking forward to that as well. And last, Tifa, do you have any asks or requests of the listening audience? Like where can they find you on social media, etc.?
1: Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Tifa Robles, and I'm sure you're going to put this in the show notes, but it's T-I-F-A-R-O-B-L-E-S. Please check out our website, uh, Um, If you want to be involved with the group, also join our Facebook page, and you can find us very easily by typing Lady Plainswalker Society.
0: Tifa, do you have any parting words for audience?
1: I just want to say thank you for listening, and I hope that you learned something in this podcast, and as you go play Magic, please be respectful and inclusive to everyone that you play, especially brand new players.
0: That is so wonderful. Tifa, founder of Lady Planeswalker Society, thank you so much for joining us on Kitchen Table Magic. Thanks, Sam. I hope you enjoyed my episode with Tifa Robles. For more information about Lady Planeswalker Society, check out their website, ladyplaneswalkers.com. That's com, And you can get a lot of information about their local chapters. If you have a local chapter in your area, please go play at one of their weekly events. It's super fun. Also, search for Lady Planeswalker Society on Facebook. And if you're interested in starting a new chapter for your local area, Tifa has many resources for you on their website. All of the links will be in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Hey everyone, Sam here. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I've got more great guests coming up in the second half of season one of Kitchen Table Magic. I'm now working on season two of the show and I need your help. What do you want to listen to? Which guests do you want to hear from? Do you want to hear some strategy? Do you want level up episodes? Do you want to hear more backstories from your favorite MTG personalities? Let me know. Drop me a line. My email is sam at kitchentablemagic.org or tweet me. At KTM Podcast. I want to hear from you, and I'm working on season two. It comes out next year, and I'm really looking forward to it. Also, if you're enjoying the show, consider supporting it on Patreon. Thanks again to everyone listening to the show and sharing it with a friend. Coming up on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic.
1: This is gonna be great. Like, you know, you're gonna show up with this deck that nobody knows about. You're gonna play, and you're gonna lose, and we're just gonna laugh at you. And I remember I won one of the games on the back of that Celestial Flare, that really stupid sideboard card. And I was like,
0: man, this
1: card's really good. And Glenn Jones sitting behind me. This is before he moved up to Seattle. And he goes, "Hey, do you want to do a deck tech?" And I was like, "You know what? I was thinking
0: about doing a deck
1: tech when I saw this deck. I I was ready to do a deck tech before he even asked me to do a deck
0: tech." And he walked up to me. I'm like, I was really excited and I was really jittery. I said, "Absolutely!" Like forty times, you know, (laughs) you know. But I was just so excited because it was like, wow, you know, like,
1: you know, here's a format that everybody believes is like stale and and really boring, and they think it's always solved and
0: stuff, and, and. and, and you could actually like take the take the game and, and do other things with it if you wanted to invest your time, if you wanted to try, if you wanted to do it. I'm talking to Jordan Isaka of Legacy Blue-White-Red Standstill fame. Jordan was sharing about the time he got a deck tech from Glenn Jones during an SCG Legacy Open where he shared about his Blue-White-Red Standstill Legacy Brew Deck. Jordan shares with us what it's like to sit down and playtest relentlessly to the point where you and your friends have almost mastered a format. Jordan also regularly does coverage for Card Kingdom's Legacy Monday Night Stream and Legacy Preservation Series 1K. There will be lots of endearing stories and wisdom from an eternal format master, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic.